Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome into episode 52 of Kayfabe Council, the show where we review and critique news topics and segments in the world of professional wrestling. My name is Pretty Tony, and alongside me, as always, is the good brother, TF Joker. Joker, what's the crack, man? What's going on? Episode 52. It's the last episode. You know, it's all done. We're all checking out. We did a year. We're good. We're golden. We're gone. Right? Happy one year anniversary, <laughs> my dude. We made it. Yeah. We made it to one we year. Did. We did. We were like, uh, we were sat at like episode five going, oh, wait, what? There's so, so many episodes. Like, if we do this for a year, that's like, there's loads of episodes. Now we'll, we'll, we've hit a year's worth of episodes. And you're like, oh, actually, yeah, no. Hmm. It's pretty crazy. Strange. It's something, it's something that, and doing anything for like a year, whether that's just, you know, uh, school, a, a job, you know, any, content creation, uh, kind of anything. It's quite the commitment for sure. And uh, with the shows themselves, like it's a lot of work. You know, the the low pressure thing is just you and I having a conversation during the recordings of these, but there's a lot of work that goes into it to make sure that we're prepared and have notes and things of such. And then obviously on the technical side and the production side to get these episodes and things of such sorted but hot diggity it's one of those things we and i have been talking about for quite a while we finally got sorted last year kind of on a whim and flash forward a year and right here at our one year anniversary at episode 52 so it's been quite the journey man yeah i mean you're saying it, there's there's a lot of stuff goes on in the back and not not for me my job is to turn up, be opinionated, and, and come up with some hot takes. And, uh, you know, just talk. PT does all that stuff in the background, so it's like, big thank you to PT for all of these uh, all of these episodes. It's wonderful editing and, you know, the upload schedule and stuff, because he's a lot more switched on when it comes to that sort of stuff than I am. So thank you very much for this last year, PT. appreciate it, and I appreciate you hosting as always. And, uh, yeah, just uh, having, having bounce with me every week. Obviously, there have been weeks where we've missed because of, you know, you moving and times that we've had to take off because of uh, because of scheduling conflicts, whatever. But 52nd episode is a year's worth of episodes. Plus, we got all our shorts coming out now, which is cool. Um, and everything in between. A lot of work done by you. And I just turn up, look mildly attractive uh, and, uh, you know, come up with really hot takes or lukewarm takes. I was actually looking at the schedule itself, and we only missed one week, the aforementioned when I ended up moving, which was in September of last year, mm. moving from the East Coast of the United States to almost the West Coast of the United States. And outside of that, every single week for 52 weeks, and our first upload was May 22 of last year. And it'll be when this comes out, it'll be May 21 on debut day. So pretty much right on schedule for 52 one year anniversary for that. So like we said, lots of work goes into it. There's a good amount on my end, but obviously this more interesting and, and fun when we, you and I can work together and just have 
just a fun conversation. And a lot of folks have been coming on this journey with us. So thank you so much for the video portion on the YouTube side. Thank you so much for the audio listeners on your platform of choice. We thank you so much. And it's been quite the year. Well, we can ramble on saying the same things repeatedly in different facets, but thank you so much. And we look forward to hopefully another year of bringing you some more kayfabe counsel. As long as the stories maintain, you know, their upward trajectory, if they're going to keep going down, we're going to have to start making stuff up. But then again, I normally do that, so it's fine. Try to talk about things that actually happen. We can spec. Hey, we can leave the speculation to other other places. I will things, things into existence. Like, did you did you see the stuff that happened this week on Dynamite? I willed that into existence last week. Well, you know, weeks ago. But come on, it's pretty easy to read these things. I don't always make stuff up. Is what it is, and sometimes we feel like we're in tune, and some things we miss the boat. But more often than not, we're having fun doing it. So. Thank you once again for all the folks coming along on this journey with us, and here's to more episodes and more Kayfabe Council. All right, before we kick into the show proper, we here at Kayfabe Council are saddened to hear the passing of a superstar, Billy Graham. Our thoughts are with his family, friends, and fans at this time. All right, as a reminder, you can find us in video form at youtube.com slash Council. And in audio form, wherever you get your podcast from. On this week's episode, we look at Hangman Reunites with the Elite. Warner Brothers Discovery announces AEW Collision. And we have a live stream coming up next week. For more details, stay tuned to the end of the episode. But coming up first, Hangman Reunites with the elite. So long time Bruin finally came to a head this past week on AEW Dynamite. Let me tell you about it. On said Dynamite, Tony Schiavone introduces Don Callis for an in-ring interview. And this is in response to Don Callis's betrayal of Kenny Omega on the previous week's episode of Dynamite during his match with John Moxley in that steel cage. Callis makes his entrance with no music through a gauntlet of security on the ramp. Tony asks Callis why, and Don says everybody wants to hear him talk about what he did to Kenny Omega, but instead he's going to talk about what Kenny did to him. Make no mistake, there's only one victim in this scenario, and it's not Omega. After everything he did for Kenny, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, Omega and Jericho at the Dome, his first night here, Kenny won the AEW World Championship, and without him, there would be no Kenny Omega. Enter the man himself, Kenny Omega, punching his way through security to get to the ring, but the Blackpool Combat Club attacks him from behind. John Moxley hits Paradigm Shift on the ramp, and they stride triumphantly to the ring. John gets on the mic and says the war is already over. And Kenny and his pissant friends could never touch him. And this is the final warning to stay down. They're what everyone in this business pretends to be. They are the real elite. Enter the Young Bucks, banged up from an earlier attack. 
from the Blackpool Combat Club, carrying a trash can full of plunder, baby. They each grab a weapon, and Hangman Adam Page is here wearing an eye patch and ready to fight alongside the Elite once more. They all rush the ring and brawl with the Blackpool Combat Club. Omega blasts Wheeler Yuta with a trash can lid, and the Bucks hit him with a BTE trigger to follow it up. And finally, with Paige on the apron, Buck shot Lariat. Hangman gets on the mic, stands with Kenny and the Bucks, saying they're the heart, soul, and spirit of AEW. They are the elite. So run and hide while you can because of double or nothing. It'll be the elite versus the Blackpool Combat Club in an anarchy in the arena match. Joker, my man. Thoughts on the segment? I'm a, I'm a savant. I'm a clairvoyant. And I wrote this entire segment. Like, it's, it was good. It was fun. It was one of those that you look at and you go, I feel good, you know. Oh, I remember whenever Kenny and Hangman were a tag team and they had that awesome split. And then Kenny went on to be the belt collector and had that amazing run. And then, you know, it was Hangman that dethroned him and then faded into obscurity because like I said it was a super difficult uh, run to follow so he didn't win any prizes there but you know to, to see him come back and after his sort of wars with Moxley wearing that uh, eye patch he joins a long list of wrestlers that opt to wear eye patches um, whether or not he's going to maintain that and pull a John Moxley and go haha my eye was never hurt at all you see, I am Hangman, and I have two eyes. We'll see in the Anarchy in the Arena whether or not he pulls that on John Moxley. Um, one of the things I liked about this was the fact that whenever he was doing the whole, you know, we are, and uh, he kind of looked to his right a wee bit. Matt, you know, Matt gave him a bit of a nod, you know, as if to say, yeah, 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 no, I agree. And he just said, we are the elite, and all this here, and big raucous and stuff like that there. It was a little thing. It was subtle. But I enjoyed that because there was the fracture. There was the sort of breaking up of the elite as it used to be. Um, so it, it was nice to see that reformation, like I said last week. In order to begin this whole combat with uh, Blackpool Combat Club, uh, we need a little bit of reconciliation, and um, that would be the first step. Instead of adding anybody into this, um, we we should have some reconciliation and bring in Hangman. Lo and behold, this week, Hangman comes back, um, and we get Anarchy in the Arena, which we also called last week. It's like, you know, it was either going to be the, it was either going to be a blood and gut style match, or it was going to be an Anarchy in the Arena kind of match. Um, I'm happy with this because it's a false count anywhere. It is double or nothing. But it is one of those that it should be a big headline match. Um, less time to build it up, which I also think is okay. But it's false count anywhere. Out into the crowd. Should be fun. Especially if this is starting to draw tickets. Uh, which I hope it does. But um, yeah, it was, a, it was a fun segment. I uh, I particularly enjoyed just the, the trash can lid being thrown at uh, Wheeler Yuta. I kind of, I don't know whether or not I, I'm misremembering, but I believe Kenny was just kind of stood at the top holding the, 
the the trash can lid like Captain America. Um, and I don't know. It's maybe wishful thinking that maybe he threw it like Captain America. <laughs> it would have been so much better if he had to use it as a frisbee and thrown it at him. Uh, but yeah, it, it was just a fun segment overall. And um, yeah, Don Callis is sort of did a typical selfish "woe is me, I'm, I'm the bad, I'm the person who's had bad done to them, not the other guy." It's, it's all me, me, me. It's like, yeah, but you're not a wrestler, my guy. So I really don't care. You're, an, you're, you're a heel promoter that everybody wants to see get their comeuppance. So he's gonna get it. Um. This is a, just a final note as well. We actually did see quite uh, prominently on Don's head the scar, or the cut the, uh, that he got whenever Moxley uh, pelted him a few weeks ago. Quite, quite large. I, uh, I didn't realize how, uh, how large it was, but it, it takes up most of his forehead um, in terms of from eyebrow to, uh, to just the, the top of the head. So, yeah, that's a bit of yikes. Yeah, the more more memorable pieces here, obviously, of after the Blackpool Combat Club jumped Kenny, the roar of the crowd when you had the Bucks come out, but then the even bigger pop when Hangman's music came out and he just stood next to him and yeah, you like you know it was on. So obviously, with all of the things that they've been going through when it comes to John and the rest of the BCC. For them to come together to fight this common enemy, it's much like you said, it was when they go through big trial of betrayal, of reconciliation, helps heal sort of the wounds, the time heals the wounds. So it was one of those that was just really kind of fun to see. The crowd was into it. And yes, when they were standing at the ramp, I guess they had either a string or anything like that. So Kenny was holding the trash can lid, much akin to a Captain America style. There was no frisbee toss, but either way, Wheeler Yuta took a brunt of the offense from the elite with the trash can lid, the BT trigger, and the buckshot lariat. So it was one of those. It was kind of funny to see nothing against Wheeler Yuta, but against the other three men in the faction at this moment, he was kind of sort of the odd man out to kind of take a good amount of the offense. But yeah. Yeah, that's his role. Yeah. It was fun. We didn't get to hear the real whys from Don Callis, so we'll have to figure out what's going on with that. The weaseling his sort of way out of that when Kenny was approaching, he just got out of Dodge and then the BCC took over. But hopefully we do get some clarity and or resolution of sorts from that little piece. But much like you mentioned... I, re- I reckon we'll just get a Don Callis look at my face, I want to fight promo. That's that's all we're going to get. He's going to attack him again. He's like, look at this face! I want to fight! Just take it out of the Brock Lesnar playbook, you know? Yeah, not quite uh, intimidating as a Brock would, but it is what it is. So hopefully we do figure out or we get some sort of closure or at least some identification as to what Don's motives are. But like you, much like you said, the anarchy in the arena, we're getting that. And this is end up going to be the second anarchy in the arena, which the first one happened one year ago at Double or Nothing, the JAS taking on 
the collective of Brian Danielson, John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz with the JS winning. So we do have a team in the fight of sorts with some experience in multi-man, big-time sort of brawl matchups. So much like we said, we were thinking either a Blood and Guts or a potential Anarchy Arena, and we got one. The door is possibly open for the other to come true, but I'm stoked and fun, and I just want to see this match because these guys are just going to have fun with it, and if it's much like anything of last year's Anarchy in the Arena, this is just going to be a fun match to watch at Double or Nothing. Yeah, it's it's kind of like followed that trend we had that stadium stampede match first of all which happened just whenever we had lockdown where it was all all of uh the stadium that we had there and then last year the very first uh sort of kind of shrinking if you want to call it that of uh of that sort of stadium stampede anarchy in the arena um it's just another one of those kind of multi-man matches for um for factions like we, we we've we've had factions more prevalent in aew than we have in wwe as of late and the one thing that i've personally enjoyed is faction warfare throughout uh the history of watching sports entertainment and wrestling i love faction warfare because you get to see more than one person uh doing uh you doing stuff for a team sometimes it, it's always cool to see like uh, oh yeah, this this particular person can do all of the the talking for the team, but then this guy's actually more fun to watch. Uh, or you know, oh, I really want to see how these two individuals interact as a you know as a bit of a tag an impromptu tag team. Um, it's just one of those fun things that you'll get to see. And the really fun thing is like we have seven individuals here who are just so experienced. In the wrestling sphere, and then we have Wheeler Yuta. This is a big match for Wheeler Yuta. Like he has obviously been under the learning tree of four individuals, three individuals that uh, are currently there, and then obviously William Regal whenever he was there, um, for a particular amount of time. And he he has gotten better, and I enjoyed whenever they were giving him mic time. He's had that bit reined in, which is unfortunate. Um, so it'll be fun to see how he interacts. Because he is kind of the high flyer, if you want to call him that, of the BCC. Uh, he does a lot more middle top rope stuff than maybe John or Claudio would do. Um, and then you have the Bucks, who are just going to be doing a whole bunch of top rope shenanigans, or you know, jumping off you know high balconies onto tables below and stuff like this here. And it'll just be a super chaotic and fun match. Like I know I'm the absolute hater of of spot matches, but there's going to be so much in there. And then you have people that are like um, John Moxley, Claudio Casagnoli, and uh, Brian Danielson, who are going to bring that fighting style, brawling, wrestling uh, acumen. In for some for some cooldown for some shakedown on the on the high spots that we're going to see, so it is going to do exactly what it says in the tin. There's going to be anarchy, and they're going to be in an arena, and it's going to take about three seconds for John Moxley 
to start bleeding because he's just going to be like, and pop a blood vessel, and then you know that's gonna that's where the anarchy is going to start. Fair play. You bring up a really strong point that all of these guys are veterans, the eight men in there, but Wheeler Yuta has the potential to be able to show a bit more. Like we've seen his maturation starting off with aligning with the best friends and then sliding over to get under the BCC learning tree with all those talented guys. And yeah, Ring of Honor Pure Champion and then... We ended up seeing him just get into battles with folks and also be in that blood and guts last year. And it's getting some definitely exposure and some experience being alongside these guys with a Claudio, a John, and a Brian. So that's a really strong point to be able to see what he can bring. And like you said, this is going to be one hell of a matchup and probably one of the highlights of the upcoming pay-per-view that we have here at Double or Nothing. Yeah. There was a there was a six man on Rampage last night that had the BCC versus the best friends. Well, no, what were they called? The best hombres or something like this here, uh, because it was because um, it was a different configuration. But Wheeler Yuta got the the pin on Chucky T, like one of the guys who helped bring him in uh, to AEW at the start. And you're like, that's that's cool to see, you know, that we're giving. Because normally it would be John Moxley or Claudio taking the pin. You know, they would take that pin. So I would like to see a little bit more offense from, from Wheeler Yuta because, like, he is just one of my one of my favorites at the minute that's uh, that was being pushed a little bit in terms of he was on our screens and I liked, I enjoyed seeing him, especially with the Pure Championship, especially him and Danny Garcia. And uh, now it's like, oh, I don't get to see him that much, but... I don't really, I don't really mind seeing Claudio, but then whenever you have the oversaturation of John Moxley, it's like could have been having Yuda in here for for something for crying out loud. Um, but yeah, I'm just super super stoked to see this sort of uh, change in pace for um, for our standard matches. Agreed. So, folks that may not be familiar, that crowd popped huge for Hangman. Coming out alongside Kenny and the Bucks. And yeah, it's one of those where they have a long storied history together with Hangman and the Elite. So if I may be so kind, share a little bit of history, Hangman and the Elite, in a little segment I'd like to call The Good, the Bad, and the Hangman Adam Page's Complicated History with the Elite. On May 6, 2016, Hangman joined the Bullet Club during the first night of the War of the Worlds tour by turning on Colt Cabana, the Briscoes, and the Motor City Machine Guns during a 10-man tag team match main event. Page hanged Chris Sabin with a hangman's noose, which gave Page his hangman nickname. On August 20th, 2017, Page won his first title in Ring of Honor when he and his Bullet Club stablemates, the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, Billed collectively as the Hung Bucks, defeated Dalton Castle and the Boys for the ROH World Six-Man Tag Team Championship. Throughout Bullet Club's Civil War of 2018, Page was the only member fully supporting Cody Rhodes and his coup to become leader. 
Page's first main event singles match in New Japan Pro Wrestling came against Kenny Omega at Wrestling Dontaku 2018, where he lost to Omega. After Tamatanga, Tongaloa, and King Haku attacked Omega and the Young Bucks at the G1 Special in San Francisco, Page, alongside Marty Skull, Chase Owens, Yujiro Takahashi, and Cody Rhodes, attempted to save the Elite only to be beaten down by the Tongans as well. Later on in January 2019, Page signed with upstart promotion All Elite Wrestling, along with the rest of the Elite. After getting an AEW World Championship opportunity by winning the inaugural Casino Battle Royale at Double or Nothing 2019, Page was defeated by Chris Jericho in a match to crown the inaugural AEW World Champion at All Out on August 31st. Following this, Page began teaming alongside Kenny Omega, fellow member of the Elite. The two defeated SoCal Uncensored, Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky, on the January 22, 2020 episode of Dynamite, to win the AEW World Tag Team Championship marking the first ever title change in AEW history. At Revolution on February 29th, Page and Omega retained their title against the Young Bucks in a highly acclaimed match. After a lengthy period of tension within the group, Page was removed from the Elite by the Young Bucks on the August 27, 2020 episode of Dynamite after he had stopped them from winning their match. On September 5th at All Out, Page and Omega lost the Tag Team Championship to FTR, Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood, ending their record-setting reign at 228 days. After losing the championship, Page and Omega separated as a team. Page made his return on Dynamite's second anniversary on October 6, 2021 as the surprise entrant in the seven-man casino ladder match. He won the match and secured himself a future shot at the AEW World Championship. On November 13, at full gear, Page defeated Omega to win the World Championship. In August 2022, Page joined forces with Dark Order members Alex Reynolds and John Silver to participate in a tournament for the new AEW World Trios Championship. They advanced to the final at All Out against the Elite, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, which Page and the Dark Order lost. And finally, after feuding off and on with Jon Moxley including an AEW World Championship match on October 18, 2022 episode of Dynamite, Title Tuesday, which saw Page suffer a legitimate injury after landing off a lariat, causing the referee to stop the match. On May 18, 2023, episode of Dynamite, Page rejoined the Elite to brawl with the Blackpool Combat Club. Page announced that the two groups will collide in an anarchy in the arena at Double or Nothing. So like I mentioned, a long, storied, and complicated history of Hangman Adam Page and his connection with the Bullet Club, the Elite, Kenny, Omega, and the Young Bucks themselves. Joker, with a long history of Kenny and the Bucks, does Hangman see this reunion with them lasting a while, or do you see it as a short-lived reunion? 
honestly, it's hard to tell. It's it's hard to tell because there's multiple different factors that are sort of being included here. Um, Hangman has come back because he has unfinished business with uh, John Moxley yet again. It's never finished with him. This is this is sort of I feel his motivation for helping, um, because we haven't seen him in terms of trying to help the elite. This is sort of a the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of deal, except you know the enemy of my enemy is actually my kind of close friend that I really liked before, and you know we had a bit of a disagreement, so maybe we can just be friends again and it'll be okay. Um, I feel like they'll stay aligned, but it won't be a case of Hangman will be there for the Elite all the time. I don't feel like he needs to be. I don't feel like the Elite need him to be there. I don't feel like he needs to be with the Elite. I feel like this segment with the BCC needs to be finished for all, all eight of these guys, really, so that they can go on and do other things. We have um, we have the the titles that are on Claudio and uh, Yuda at the minute for Ring of Honor. Like, fair enough. Claudio has the world title, and Yuda no longer has the pure championship. Oh, yes, he lost the pure. But, like, we have them, you know, in the contention for those two titles. Like, that's fair enough. But Brian Danielson, you know? He failed against uh, he failed against MJF. Might not want to try and compete for that again for a little while yet. And then you've got John Moxie. Like, where, where's he gonna go? Like, I kind of feel like Mox might need another holiday. Absence might make the heart grow fonder and stuff for him because currently, I'm I like Mox, but I'm kind of a wee bit oversaturated with him at the minute. Like, he's not not really. Given me anything that I'm like, oh yeah, Moxie's Moxie's fighting cool, and it's the same sort of deal with the elite. Like, I've seen this story play out a couple of times already. Like, the elite have had their, uh, they've had their return, and then now they're being beat down. And we know Matt has a busted arm, and he's got that, he's got that thing wrapped up. Like, he's got that elbow wrapped up. Like. <sighs> We know that the, the boxer are hurting at the minute, you know, with, with just general aches and pains. We know Kenny is sort of the exact same. And then you've got Hangman, who's like kind of coming back off a, an eye injury. Um, and who, who also had, you know, serious concussion injuries. Like these boys need to kind of diverge after this arena match. Let it all be done. Let it all be gone. And then. Hangman is now welcome back into the elite, but he can still go on and pursue other things. And I feel like his first stop should be MJF after this. Interesting notion of we had the elite themselves when they started. We had Kenny, the Bucks, Cody, and Hangman. Cody, sort of after that first year, when we started to get into the pandemic, sort of soft split. So he was still friendly with Kenny and the Bucks and Hangman, but he sort of did his own thing. And then we ended up having, after the tensions, when Kenny and Hangman were a tag team, 
the Young Bucks removed Hangman from the Elite, and then subsequently when Kenny and Hangman lost the tag team titles, that's when you definitely saw the divide and Hangman sort of did his own thing. Now that they've kind of circled back, I could see them much like akin to the first year where they're aligned as a faction. They are supportive of one another, but they can still kind of do their own thing. Obviously, Hangman in that first year was going for the world championship and then teamed with Kenny. The Bucks were doing their thing type of thing. So, And then they weaved in and out of story where they were they would do tags, they would do six-mans, things of such, or trios, rather, in AEW. So, yeah, I could see them being aligned with them doing their own thing against, whether that's the BCC or eventually, like, the JAS or, or all these kind of iterations. So they can kind of weave and do their, their own thing, essentially. But mm. I'd agree to a point where we don't want this to drag on much akin to last year's Blackpool and JS, where geez Louise, we talk about maybe the last half of the year was some form of iteration between those two factions feuding in a singles or in a tag or in multi man matches. Like it was ridiculous. But not to belabor the point, but last year we did see that feud go into a anarchy arena and with a semi-blow-off of a Blood and Guts. Do you think after the Anarchy Arena, could we see a potential Blood and Guts match between these two factions? That's a very good question, because there's, there's extenuating circumstances here, okay? Double or nothing, Forbidden Door, and All In are very close together, all right? People want to see Forbidden Door. Like that's that's going to be a big, big uh, pay per view for for AEW and NJPW. Like people are going, oh yeah, I definitely want to see that. Same with All In. If you kind of want to see what's going to happen, maybe you're just gonna head off to to the UK and catch catch All In, which is going to be a, a big blockbuster sort of event. So Double or Nothing is being pegged as this sort of step stepson of these two bigger events in the summer this year even though double or nothing has been really really good in pa in the past it is a victim of the other two sort of successes that could potentially happen right so i feel like depending on how well double or nothing sells we could have another match and i think that that would be the driving factor because they would want more eyes on the end of it. Um, personally, I think the Anarchy in the Arena should finish it off. Uh, however, um, with the spectacle of a Blood and Guts match, um, those typically being five-on-five, five, we could go from the four-on-four four Anarchy in the Arena match to adding in the single individual to bolster these rosters or bolster these factions to five versus five or a blood and guts to finish the entire thing off you know just kind of akin to like you said last year with the jas um it it makes sense from a monetary standpoint 
for me, looking at it from a story uh, story standpoint, right now, Anarchy in the Arena is the end point. Unless there is a good enough reason within that match and either side of that match to continue this story, that's where it should end. I won't be surprised if we see something at all in. I was just about to mention I would foresee the nature of the booking and how the outcome and the ending of that match of double or nothing will dictate whether or not this will continue. So I could see something happening and all right, well, we still have some unfinished business, so we're still going to fight, which could obviously lead to another match. So very much so, but yeah, lots of emotion coming out of this past week's episode of a dynamite with hangman rejoining and the now announced anarchy in the arena match should be one of the highlights of double or nothing. And for sure, a match that I'm looking forward to. All right. So those were our thoughts on hangman, Adam page rejoining and reuniting with the elite. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and let us know what your thoughts were on hangman realigning with the elite. All right, on to our next topic here. Warner Brothers Discovery announces AEW Collision. So this past week at the Warner Brothers Discovery upfronts, and this is just a network piece where they announce plans and schedules and things of such and content for the upcoming year. They announced this week the addition of a second AEW show titled AEW Collision, which will debut on Saturday, June 17th. It'll be a two-hour in-ring show. will air every Saturday night at 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. said that AEW Collision will feature headliners including Miro, Samoa Joe, Thunder Rosa, Powerhouse Hobbs, and... Andrade El Idolo. So Joker, my man, what were your initial thoughts on the announcement and some of those names that were mentioned? Kind of ambivalent, really. Like, we already knew, well, the rumors were already there that this was happening. The story was already uh, kind of broke a few weeks, uh, a few weeks, months ago that this was happening. Um, the reasonings behind it were very murky, but uh, this was pretty much a foregone conclusion when the YouTube shows were uh, were stopped, were halted, or for whatever um, for whatever reason that they were given. It was to do with the fact that uh, obviously everything had to go through the Warner Brothers group, uh, which is which is perfectly all right. I was like, okay, cool. Now don't mess it up. Was literally my reaction was don't mess up this brand split thing that you're trying to set up. If they're announcing particular stars, that's the way that it appears to me that they're going. You're announcing particular stars that you're going to be able to see on Collision. Why would you do that? It's like To me, that makes it seem like there is going to be only a specific amount of people on this one show, and we're going to have a raw and a SmackDown for AEW in Dynamite and Collision. Cool names. I like them. Um, 
I'm not 100% sure how a Saturday show works uh, in the um, in the sort of American atmosphere of TV. Uh, I don't know how popular that time slot of 8 to 10 p.m. I am not there. It wouldn't. It doesn't affect me in that time zone. I would just end up watching it on the Sunday morning. So it's kind of cool. I get I get Sunday morning wrestling or Sunday afternoon wrestling whenever I wake up, whatever you want. Um, I'm I'm fine with it, whatever time. But I wonder how much of the success is going to be based on that viewership of that 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. time slot, and how are we going to drag those people uh, and their eyeballs uh, onto the product for that time slot? It's an interesting and fair point. The nature of having wrestling on a Saturday, as a quick aside, real quick, that has been a thing for quite a number of years. Uh, we've had the territories, we had Memphis, would have had a Saturday morning show, so that was on for sure. We ended up having a WWF at the time, ended up having a Mania and then a Superstars, so you had early morning slash early afternoon wrestling as well. WCW ended up having. Uh, main event as well, and another show on the Saturday slash Sunday mornings. But for the longest time, Jim Crockett Promotions slash NWA slash WCW had Saturday night, 6.05 Eastern on the TBS Superstation. So you had 6.05 p.m. to 8.05 p.m. So you've had wrestling on a Saturday for quite a number of years, obviously with the closure of WCW. You didn't have a presence, per se, on maybe a Saturday evening or a Saturday show that was prominent outside of selected matches or a recap show of such, but this is the first time since that show, that WCW Saturday night show that we've had or going to have a actual show on a Saturday night. So the history has dictated that it has worked in the past, whether or not it'll be successful remains to be seen, but we can have a positive open mind for it. But I feel the them announcing some folks like Amiro, Samoa Joe, Thunder Rosa, Hobbs, Andrade is to help with some one of our criticisms, shall we say, is the sort of ping pong booking of folks would do stuff and then they'd be gone for a while. Somebody might get hot and we might not see them for a minute. So with having more TV time and this mentions something that we've had discussed in the show previously. Maybe it would be good for the company. It might stretch the Tony Khan as the booker and or the booking team, perhaps. But I think it's if we can get more folks opportunities at the end of the day, I think it's going to be a net positive. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um it definitely lends itself to giving more people more opportunities. We have more time across the week. We're definitely going to see more people on our screens, but it's not like we're always going to be seeing the BCC versus uh, the elite on both these shows. Um, so I like it. We, we It was a complaint that I, I had before, like a, a few weeks ago, like we're going to have this place where now we get to see more uh, active um, components of the roster. Like, we don't always see Eddie Kingston anymore on AEW TV. We could see him there. We don't always see um, the Dark Order anymore. We could see them on there. Um, but equally, we also have Rampage to figure in. So how does Rampage work with the Wednesday, Friday, Saturday split? 
do we see a potential setup of um uh, of rivalries on the Friday for the Saturday show, conclusions from the Wednesday to the Friday show? Is Rampage going to fade away into non-existence? Is it going to move to maybe Monday nights? Um, you know, as to give us a little bit more of a spread of of AEW because that's the one thing that I'm sort of concerned about is the placement of Rampage currently. I like Rampage. It's an R of wrestling. You get nice uh, nice matches in there, sometimes a continuation or conclusion of some storylines, not always major, most often minor slash uh, mid-card stuff. Um, and announcements of announcements or, or you know, cool culmination announcements. Um, so it's it's going to be one of those things that we'll see what Collision does for that as well. But five hours of TV is what is what WWE has currently. So I'm okay with that. Like mainline TV through the week, we have three hours of Monday Night Raw and we have two hours of Friday Night SmackDown. That's a big gap in between. We have NXT, but I'm not counting it. Um, and it's just one of those that you look at it and you go, well, we have Dynamite on the Wednesday, and Collision on the Saturday. That's a little bit shorter, but then we have Rampage in there on the Friday. We then have a Thursday without AEW, and that's more more often than not going to be the Ring of Honor or Impact or whatever you know, whatever have you in there. Um, so it's very it's very condensed for AEW centric TV. You know what I mean? And it's going to be interesting to see how this plays up with its fellow shows. Are we going to see a shuffle? Is this going to be Oversaturation for some people because it's in such a condensed uh, portion of the week. Um, and how well are they going to um, split their time with the producers? So, are we going to have uh, the same steel matches just kind of rehashed on collision? Uh, or are we going to see some new stuff? Like, this is going to be the make or break of this show. Uh, I, I hope, you know, nothing but the best for this because I've wanted more AEW TV that isn't Rampage for a while because we have such a huge roster on this uh, on this company um, and it just doesn't seem fair. It's like almost you read my mind. So for a bit of context, the plan going forward, AEW will continue running Dynamite Live on Wednesdays and then tape Rampage for Friday nights on TNT. Current plan is to hold Collision live on Saturday nights, followed by TV tapings for Ring of Honor, which will then stream on Honor Club on Thursdays. So another note here in regards to some roster and roster moves. In regards to a brand split or a split rosters, nothing has been officially announced. Several top stars have been featured in promotional material, including those who have appeared on television for a while, for those that haven't appeared. MJF, Samoa Joe, Thunter Rosa, Powerhouse Hobbs, Orange Cassidy, Andrade El Idolo, FTR, Miro, House of Black, Scorpio Sky, Brian Danielson, Hangman Page, and Jack Perry have all been featured in promotional graphics for Collision. On an episode of Wrestling Observer Radio, it was reported that several of the aforementioned names were selected due to their positive working relationship with a one CM Punk. 
Punk was previously rumored to make his AEW return on Collision, but has not been featured yet. Dave Meltzer noted that Punk was indeed intended to be part of yesterday's Warner Brothers Discovery upfronts before something unexpectedly happened and disrupted those plans. According to the report, Powerhouse Hobbs is said to be, quote, one of the stars of Collision. Hobbs and FDR were earmarked for the show due to their friendship with Punk, and Samoa was meant to be Punk's first opponent following the latter's AEW return. In fact, Collision was very much intended to be, quote, the CM Punk show, and the former AEW world champion may have also asked for Andrade. It was noted that, quote, everyone who has heat or has problems with other talents were planned for Collision. So, now man, Joker, thoughts on a dividing a roster or in the context of or an unruly roster or rather some talent not getting along, sort of parting of the Red Sea, if you will. So I've been watching AEW All Access and AEW All Access is this sort of behind the scenes show that we have following the, the lead up to the return of um, of such stars as Adam Cole and the Elite. And it's given us some insight as to the, the backstage kind of area. One certain individual is Eddie Kingston, who we see a couple of times kind of act like a, a bit of a, a mentor to Ruby Soho and you know their, her tumultuous relationship with Ty Conti. Now, where I'm getting that with this is those two had a little bit of a falling out. They had a minor disagreement when Ty broke Ruby's nose. Ruby was unsure about how safe they could be in the ring together. Didn't trust Ty. But Eddie's kind of attitude was, just be professional. You don't have to like the person. Be professional. You just have to trust each other out there. That's what you need to do. This is you know trust relationship. Ruby had a conversation with Ty. They did this, and then they had that street fight, and you know it was well received and everything. That is the kind of information that needs to be given to all of these children that are on this roster. I am by no means a spring chicken. But an awful lot of these children that are on this roster are older than me and having fights that I would have with my kid brother back whenever we were trying to fight over the PS1. Whose turn was it to play the video games? Like, kids, can you stop? And the whole reason CM Punk hasn't been announced for this is because apparently he threw the toys out the pram with TK. Can you stop acting like a five-year-old? I had this complaint about CM Punk whenever he ate the muffin and, you know, threw his toys out the pram, you know, many, many months ago. I don't care for the man. He has some upstanding morals by all accounts. He's a nice human being. But this character, this particular version, I don't care for him. I don't want him back in AEW if this is the thing that's going to happen. Now, if he is to be announced, I already know that where they're going to be debuting is in Chicago. Of course, why wouldn't a CM Punk show has to debut in Chicago? It would get so many eyes. But if there is not reconciliation, then they're going to deal these place in Jacksonville. Because why 
would we have the CM Punk show without CM Punk? It would have to be somewhere else. I personally think CM Punk is great for business. I think this drama that he is exuding is terrible for the roster and therefore terrible for business. He wants money. I can't fault the man for that. We all want money. But his machinations towards, I don't know, his own personal uh, agenda, like if that's what it is, are starting to show cracks within the AEW roster. The people who only want to work with Punk because they think he's right and they want to follow him. And the people who just can't be arsed with him. They don't want to deal with his BS or any of the BS that surrounds him. So you look at these people and a lot of the names you pulled out there, they're professionals. Like Miro and Samoa Joe, they're professionals. It's not just because they're good working relationships, it's because they would put anything that they did have aside. So if we can have a full roster of individuals work together professionally, this would be amazing. We could have a traveling show of, of you know, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks on the Saturday night, which would be super good for people, then Punk on the Wednesday night. We could have the vice versa. We could have the BCC on the Saturday. We could have, you know, Samoa Joe on the Wednesday, etc., and swap this back and forth, back and forth. Personally, I don't think it's feasible. It's better to have a split, regardless. But I don't think, for the morale of the, the roster, and for the healthy relationship of all, uh, all concerned within this company, that the split should happen because of this drama llama situation. And I am very, very opposed to this sort of situation happening. That's all fair points. I think it's one of those, it's a challenging aspect where if you are going to school, if you're going to work, if you're being around other folks, you're not all the time going to get along with all of your classmates, all of your coworkers. It's going to happen. Folks just are different and they have different ideas and it just is what it is the way of the world. You can't please everybody all the time. But the notion that this unofficial sort of roster split or kind of parting of people is based in part on having one talent or a couple talents be the lightning rod sort of steal a line from you in a sort to be the nature of all right if we're maybe going to have a particular person on a show then folks that are okay with them and don't have heat can work that not specifically going to be exclusive to said show, but will be there and potentially featured more as opposed to, well, then folks that may not like this person might be featured more in another show. And then depending on the rotating rosters of maybe people are on one and then the other kind of weak like that. Where I'm going with this is if it's because of heat, it's probably not a good starting point is where I'm going at, if it's because of tensions and things of such. So 
bringing up Eddie Kingston from the All Access show was a good, really good point because at the end of the day, I think one of the first episode of the second, Sammy Guevara just kind of goes up to Eddie and he's just like, hey, like I, you know, you know, we have heat, the thing from the promo and the stat in the third, but, you know, listen, he's like, I just, you know, I'm, I'm cool with you. Are we okay? Like, you know, you just tell me and stuff like that. And they're like, he said almost the same thing as he did with Ruby and Ty Mello. He's like, listen, you know, we, we just, it, it's done. We're okay. We can work together. We're not going to hang out and be best buds, but you know, we can, we can do the thing. So if we're going to have two shows, we need to put our best foot forward and have strong storylines and have strong matches. And we need to get off on a good start for collision to be successful and be taken seriously. And much like when rampage was announced, there's, they were pushing it. It's not a B show. It's on the same level as a dynamite. It has, in a perception standpoint, fallen off to play sort of a B-show type to a Dynamite. We want to have two strong shows, much like in WWE, where you have like a Raw and a SmackDown, which are considered high-level shows. We need to have strong representation, good matches, good storylines. So to wind this point, if we're having folks showcased on one or the other shows because of well i kind of like this person or these sets of people over another it's not good looks and it's a tough part and it might work in the very beginning but how long are we able gonna going to be able to sustain that on the long term it's just it listen it's not I'm not trying to armchair quarterback. I'm not type of thing. It's just from from the get-go, it's just a tough point, and it's probably going to be hard to sustain. I don't, I don't disagree, and I will armchair quarterback. You will need to 100% change your roster from time to time. We recently had the WWE draft, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to compare the two because this is legitimately what we have to do now. If you're bringing in another show, then you are now fair game to be compared to the two shows that, that WWE has. After a period of time, even though we all know the WWE draft doesn't work, you know, the, 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 they just kind of happen to just wander across willy-nilly whenever they want. But whenever it did work, you had these matches that were always on, that were always happening, and you had to sort of slot them in at different points um, in different configurations. And it worked for a year. And it works for a year. That's how, that's how often it works. How, how long it works for, rather. So when it comes time for all of the matches to be done on Collision, well, how do we get fresh matches? How do we get new matches and new configurations? Well, we have to move those people 50-50 split to Dynamite. So we have new configuration. Look, look at all this. We have a brand new configuration of matches for two shows. Fantastic. Oh, but wait, you don't like to work with these guys. What are you, a child? Do you go to work and you love all your co-workers? Like, this is literally what you said, what you're saying, whenever you go to work, whenever you go to school, whenever you do anything, you don't have to like the people. You have to be productive with them. You have to get, get along with them to a point. I'm not saying be friends with everybody. I can't be friends with everybody. I have very few friends because an awful lot of people just annoy the heck out of me. 
So 100%, I get where people are coming from. But I'm professional. If I have to work with someone, I work with someone. They're not asking me to be their friend. And that is where these people have to get their five-year-old brains out from between their butt cheeks. Because that's currently where an awful lot of these stories are leading me down. It's like, petty playground BS. Which, you know, there's no room for in a profession where you're throwing someone, you know, over your head or doing topes off of seven, eight, nine foot um, platforms. It's insanity to not want to work with these people. I wouldn't put my hands, uh, put my life in the hands of somebody who didn't want to work with me in that sort of industry. And after a while, we would see a downturn in the quality of these matches. So we're going to have to see them reconcile. There's a third use of that word for me tonight. With their, their grievances with the other half of the roster, because eventually you're going to have to work with them. And, uh, you know, I hate to point this out, but if CM Punk does actually come back, and we all know he would want to be at the top of the card, he would have the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. And if by some miracle he makes it out of that match uninjured this time, and has another reign that lasts longer than six hours, because that's, you know, the cumulative total of his current reign now, then he's going to have to fight other people who are at the top of the card. Like, you're going to have to fight Kenny Omega, because he's going he's gonna to earn that. You're going to have to fight Hangman. You're going to have to fight Moxley or anybody else who you, you have an issue with. It's just going to have to happen. So it seems silly to me that that is the avenue that we're going towards. Uh, and it's very disappointing that it's being reported uh, that this is the reason why these individuals are being picked for this because they have a better relationship with them. Wrestling is a cooperative business. It's a collaborative business. You need to be able to work together with your dance partner, with your opponent, both physically and creatively, to be able to put on a strong matchup and compelling storyline and to work safely with one another. There's a lot of trust that goes into it handling each other's body uh, in a safe way and be able to, uh, to trust your opponent. So, you know, it's, it's a tough one when you don't feel like you have the trust of certain coworkers or other workers. So, you know, it's just going to be something that hopefully they can figure out and, Hopefully make it work. But to pivot slightly, you mentioned a little earlier in regards to the debut show of Collision June 17th. While the original plan was to hold the taping at the United Center in Chicago, Illinois, it's all going to depend on whether the company can agree with CM Punk on a return. If a deal can't be reached, there is talk of having the first episode of the show airing elsewhere. And of notes, there have been murmurings of having it at the Daily's place as a quote-unquote backup, if you will. The company would likely want to run a smaller venue, and it may not be in the Chicago market, like I mentioned before. This is due to some concern the fans would, quote, hijack the show as they'd expect a CM Punk to show up whether he's advertised or not. The Joker, my man. The venue of the initial June 17th show at the time of recording, is 
set to be announced, although the others in the subsequent weeks have been announced because they're doing a tour of Canada, for sure. So it seems like they want to get certain things in order, shall we say? Is that fair to say? Yeah. They need to have all their ducks in a row, as the saying goes, to uh, to make sure that we have a smooth debut show. Um, CM Punk is a draw. He is a huge draw. Uh, I, As much as I'm going to complain about him and his, his sort of uh, modus operandi as it as it pertains to his current AEW run, in air quotes. Um, he is a huge draw for people, and especially in Chicago, not being where he's from. So the United Center makes perfect sense. It makes absolute sense to have uh, him debut the debut show, and he'll have like a I don't know, probably a twenty minute um hype bomb promo at the at the very start of the show, like. If he doesn't, I'd be surprised. He has to introduce Collision. He has to, you know, call all the haters on the internet out, you know, for for everything and this, that, and the other. Of at which I will smile because he'll be like, Punk watches the show and he knows that I'm going to rag on him. Like, it's just one of those things that it makes perfect sense. But it's good that uh, TK has this backup plan and i think the daily's place being the home of aew during the pandemic years was is, is a good place i think it's really really good uh personally i think it's if you, we don't have punk uh then it's the better it's the better option uh it's very smart to uh to have this option but it's also one of those that i'm really surprised that we even need this option you have um you have a, a very hot and cold star with um some baggage that uh, is necessitating you being cautious uh, it's just causing more logistical issues than needs than needs to be really and you're starting off a brand new show so you already have so many logistical issues you're right. It's going to be a logistical t- nightmare a little bit in the sense of we're about a month away from the show right now debuting and we haven't landed the venue and such. So we have an idea. We have a backup plan. It's never bad to have a backup plan, but you're right to have these little hiccups. It's a challenge for sure. And then we have also one other small note in regards to Collision itself. It's according to a report from Fightful Select. Brian Danielson has been tapped to play a key role in a creative direction of the show. For those unaware, Danielson did some creative work in WWE while he was out of action with an injury. And those who worked closely with Brian in WWE had nothing but high praise for his creative ideas. Current AEW creative team consists of Tony Khan, Will Washington, Pat Buck, Sanjay Dutt, and QT Marshall. Dean Malenko and Christopher Daniels offer creative input as well. So that's really cool that Mr. Danielson himself can not only give back to AEW on the physical front, but then also on the creative input. And it's something that, like we'd mentioned from his time away from the ring in WWE, he's helped a little bit of that 
notably during the pandemic era as well when we had the sort of Thunderdome piece. But I think it's awesome that, not to say that Tony Khan, rather, is a one-man show, but that he can have some sounding boards and, and get creative input because it's hard if you're potentially in an echo chamber or you're trying to think of things all by yourself. Somebody else with a different perspective can bring some ideas and you're like, oh, that's really good. I would have never thought of that. So Danielson being tapped to help with creative, I think, is a positive as well for the company. Oh, 100%. Yeah. The, uh, the fact that he is being added to this production team um, for, for a brand new show is amazing. Uh, we, like you said, he has already shown uh, how competent he is uh, during that pandemic era, and uh, in a in in a sort of world where a lot of the individuals in AEW uh, have creative freedoms, uh, it's good to have someone like Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, sorry, um, that um, that can work between these individuals and work to the fact that they each have their own agendas. Like if I'm if I'm CM Punk or Kenny Omega, it's like I want to go over. It's like okay, well, you both can't go over. Like Danielson is going to be that that level head. He, he's going to be like this is this is the story. This is what we need to play out. You just can work this match, but one of you needs to go over. And for now, it's better if player A goes over. Let's say CM Punk, for argument's sake. Um, it, it's better for him to go over. So we can get him away from you, you know? And oh, that makes me look terrible. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you'll get that win back later on. Right. Whenever right, we right. do this, whenever we do this story. So I feel like he's a very good I just get the sense that he's a very good politician uh in the uh in the essence of getting people to work alongside each other. Um uh, I, I loved his uh, I loved his work whenever he had uh, Drew Gulak. I thought it was a, f- a fantastic run. It was a lot of fun, um, and it's just one of those that I love. Uh, Brian Danielson as a heel, as a face, just as a as a worker, just as a guy who's there, um, and I love him at the top of the card. And he doesn't seem to me like he's going to be super super selfish and be like, all right, okay. I'm going to have a good hand in this show. It's now the Brian Danielson show. You thought this was a CM Punk show? Heck no. I am the vegan warrior, and I am just going to absolutely destroy everybody. Nobody wins. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, so it's, it's just really cool to hear, because I don't want to have another show for TK to stretch himself even thinner. Because we already have Dynamite, Rampage, Ring of Honor, and then he has all his other stuff like the Jaguars, et cetera, et cetera. So I think this is a really good idea. And um, it makes me more confident for the launch of Collision. Agreed. Danielson has shown a, pro- a penchant, if you will, of giving back to the business. And we saw those likes of him in 2019 wanting to work with Kofi to get Kofi over and he lost and he insisted on losing to give Kofi that win at WrestleMania working with the Drew Gulaks uh, in, in 
AEW, you've seen him. He's, you know, obviously he's a strong presence, but he's been willing to to put other guys over. So the fact that you have a guy who's so confident in himself, he's like, he's a, he's a good, strong character work, great wrestler. And he's like, dude, I'm good. I'm making good money and, you know, I'm in a good position and I want to help other guys get better. You can't ask for something much better than that, honestly, from a, from a boss or from, you know, a, a coworker teammate standpoint, dude. And, you know, from many accounts, just an all around good dude. So like you mentioned before, I think it's going to be solid for AEW to have Danielson on the backstage of sorts team as well. All right, so those were our thoughts on Warner Brothers Discovery announcing the new show, AEW Collision. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and let us know what your thoughts are on this new show, AEW Collision. All right, it's that time yet again. You know, it's going to be a busy week this coming week with. Two pay-per-views on a Saturday and a Sunday, so a lot to cover, a lot of things to go over, but one of those where, depending on our availability and our workloads and our schedules, we're going to try to cover both, and the plan is this coming Wednesday, May 24th, 8 p.m. UK time, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific. Going to be having an AEW Double or Nothing live stream. We're going to sim some matches in WWE 2K23 because Fight Forever is not out yet, so we're going to make it work. But we are going to cover AEW Double or Nothing in said live stream once again Wednesday, May 24th, 8 p.m. UK, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific. Sim some matches in WWE 2K23. Over on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash kfabecouncil. Don't forget to subscribe and hit that notification bell so you'll know when we go live and when new content is available. But with that, on the Wednesday, we'll cover AEW Double or Nothing. And for the next episode of Kfabe Council, episode 53, we will cover Night of Champions. So that way we get to talk about and go over both of the crazy weekend because every once in a while the stars align and it is what it is you get two pay-per-views on the same weekend doesn't happen often but it's tough so like we said we'll cover it the double or nothing aw on a live stream and the next episode we'll cover night of champions lot of wrestling to go over do our best to cover it as best we can but man it's gonna be a hot weekend upcoming joker it is, yeah, but at least, you know, with the Night of Champions, we'll be able to watch it relatively early. We'll, we'll get ourselves recorded straight after that show so we can have, you know, uh, a pretty relevant show out the day after. Like, you know, it's going to come straight out um, and you'll, you'll hear our thoughts on how successful, uh, how successful the matches were. There's some pretty interesting matches um, for, for that show, uh, but equally, like, like we've talked about tonight, there's at least one particular uh, entry on the Double or Nothing card that I'm interested in. 
um, there's still plenty of time for Papa TK to uh, add about 15 more so that we all get our money's worth out of that pay-per-view. But uh, no doubt we will uh, give our thoughts, give our, our feelings on the matches that we're going to do. We're probably not going to do them all if the card is about 20 matches long. But um, whenever we do go through them, we'll give our thoughts. Uh, we have a bit of fun uh, with with uh, saying how we would you know really want to see the match end up. And uh, pretty much like tonight, we'll be saying, is, is this the end of that feud, et cetera, et cetera. So um, yeah, it'll be it'll be good. It's uh, it's always nice to see people come through and uh, and talk to us and and give us their opinions live and there as opposed to replying to comments on uh, on uh, on YouTube on the shorts or whatever. Because sometimes we sometimes we're days late and we 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 miss the interaction. So uh, yeah, it'd be definitely fun to see people come through and uh, chat live if it's possible. Agreed. We had fun with the WrestleMania 39 live stream and the Backlash live stream. So, yeah, it's always kind of nice when folks can stop by. And, yeah, so we'll have it live once again Wednesday, May 24th, 8 p.m. for the UK, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific over on the YouTube channel. So we'll have it live and then we'll have it up on the VOD shortly thereafter. So we'll do the AEW on the Wednesday. We'll cover the WWE Night of Champions subsequent days later on the next episode. So we get the best of both worlds. Joker and I living on two separate continents, more than eight hours of a difference in time zones, living completely different lives, coming together at least once a week to kind of cover the world of professional wrestling is not an easy thing to do. We're going to make it work and have some fun because we enjoy talking to one another, spouting symbolics, and trying to bring you some fun content. So we appreciate you folks if you can stop by. We're enjoying the shows, enjoying the content. So hopefully this coming Wednesday we will see you there and then enjoy the next episode of KFA Council for the other WWE pay-per-view. So hopefully, like we mentioned, you can stop by. But if not, we appreciate you anyway. So, Joker, real quick, for the head of the live stream, there's only going to be a handful of matches announced right now for Double or Nothing. I'm sure on the Rampage right before, we'll announce eight other matches. Real quick, is mm. there a match you're looking forward to for Double or Nothing already? The Anarchy in the Arena match, just because I really want to see uh, Hangman and, uh, and Kenny just, just fight together again. and. Uh... Yeah, see, see a kind of tag match between Claudio and hopefully Brian and uh, and Kenny and Hangman. I think that would be fun. I think it would be a sort of fun interaction. And we'll finally get to see the Young Bucks versus John Moxley because, you know, that's something else that we get to see out of this. Agreed, so... Yeah, it should be a fun matchup there. That four-way for the world title should be a fun match as well. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting how those matches play out. But hopefully you can stop by and hang out with us. But hopefully we'll see you Wednesday. But if not, let us know down in the comment section below if there is a match for Double or Nothing that you are looking forward to seeing. All right. A lot covered here on today's show. Reunions, 
history, debut shows, returns, pensions. A lot of things going on, but hopefully they all lead to positive outcomes in the near future. What do you think, Joker? Yeah, sure. Where CM Punk's involved, I don't know. My um, my uh, outlook is fuzzy whenever that's whenever that's brought up. But uh, one thing is for certain: we will keep an eye on the horizon, and we will uh, come back to you with any retractions that need to be made. But uh, I'm pretty confident in the fact that I don't need to make any retractions on anything I've said tonight. We try to do our best to talk about things that are actually reported. We don't do too much speculation or rumors or things of such. So it's more so all right, things that happen on shows, things that sort of actually happened. Every once in a while, we will dip into the armchair booker type of deal and, and kind of bring our notions of that. But it's more so just like, hey, it's, it's, our, it's our thoughts and reactions to things that are actually kind of going on. So, I mean, it is what it is. We try to talk about things that are actually going on. No shade thrown at anybody. It is what it is. A lot of content out there. But like I said, a lot of things going on for AEW at the moment, upcoming. So hopefully everything does work out. And hey, you know, I'm looking forward to how they organize and put on a new show for Collision. It's going to be on Saturday. We're going to look to see how that's going to play into our workflow and our discussions and things of such. But we'll let you know, obviously, if anything changes. But yeah, just more wrestling. We were asked for it, and hot dang, we're going to get it. So, yeah, should be good, man. Hopefully, like we said, things work out, and it's an exciting first show. Yeah, I, I, I get Sunday morning wrestling. I'm okay with that. Like, you know, whoever's on that show, I don't really care because I just get Sunday morning wrestling while I'm lying in my bed just going, you know what? Good start to the day. Can't complain either way. So, we'll get out of here. So, four. TF Joker. Thank you very much for all the support this past year. It has been amazing. Can't say it better myself. And for me, Pretty Tony, we thank you for your time and letting us be your part of your day for this past year. And remember, be good to yourself, be good to each other, and we will catch you down the road. Peace.